0: This bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast, and that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay, welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Colon. Built-in Built in microwave.
1: microwave. Semi-colon. <laughs>
0: Um, Ice cream trucks and disappointment.
1: Yeah. Uh, man. So uh, before we get to the whole thing about disappointment, let's just talk really quickly about this scary Northeast Minneapolis ice cream truck that has heavy metal and no ice cream. Um, yes. So you just sent me this article and it is about this ice cream truck that is painted all in black and it drives around Northeast Minneapolis And it has uh, it plays both the uh, the twinkly little jingle that all other ice cream trucks have, but also blares things like Lamb of God out the windows (laughs) and um, and other heavy metal tracks, apparently. And uh, it does not. Yeah. And it's covered in um, like like you would have like a menu on the side of an ice cream truck. It has a bunch of um, images, images of of ice creams but they're all logos of heavy metal bands that have been adopted to like a popsicle or an ice cream cone or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway. So it's, uh, which is amazing. And apparently this, uh, this gentleman whose name, go ahead.
0: Matt Peterson.
1: Yeah. So he, um, he basically drives it around and doesn't give out ice cream.
0: Right. So yeah, this guy is like a neighbor of mine. I've never met him personally, but I know of him because he lives like very close, not even a mile away from my house. Um, yeah, in the, ne- in the next official neighborhood over, I live in Holland and I think he lives in like the the neighborhood one west of holland neighborhood which minneapolis names all of its neighborhoods um because it's a large city in terms of its square mileage yeah um and each of the neighborhoods has kind of like a distinctive personality um so he lives in the neighborhood with like the 331 club which is this like music venue and bar that's very like no fuss um it's not a dive bar i would not call it a dive bar but um it's very much the personality of the neighborhood there's a lot of really good restaurants in that neighborhood that are very unique and yeah um a lot of art and the art crawl every year called um art a world which is a contentious event itself it is held throughout that neighborhood in my neighborhood and so there's a lot of like crossover so i know where this guy lives okay um It's not surprising to me that he lives where he lives with this truck. Um, He's somewhere near University and 15th. And I'm on Central and 27th. So we're like 15 blocks apart. Um, His name is Matt Peterson. His truck's name is Hell General. And according to this City Pages article, the only thing the truck dispenses are metal music and disappointment.
1: (laughs) Which is awesome because you were just reminding me of, um, as we were talking about doing this episode, you were just, you were reminding me of uh, in metal occult. Metalocalypse. Lock- yeah, the metal television lock- a- show
0: o- cartoon. O- o- metal lock-alypse. metal Metalocalypse. Um
1: Yeah. Yeah, when um <laughs> when uh what's his name? has his birthday party? Uh The
0: bassist in the band William Murderface. Yeah, when
1: Murderface has has his party and they're like, "We got your favorite thing." Disappointment. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then And I
0: I think they give him, like, I think they buy and give him the car that JFK was shot in. Yes, yes. Eventually. But, yeah. like, they, at first they give him a giant box with nothing in it. And uh-huh. then Pickles the drummer, we got you your favorite thing, disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love because Pickles is from Wisconsin and he's got the scanny accent. So I kind of think of, like, I kind of picture Matt Peterson as having, like, a Pickles the drummer Wisconsin accent.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great, and I was just thinking about how like I was thinking about like how I would give this gift because I think that it 's something like we were talking about in order to be disappointed, well, disappointment usually comes from having expectations that were not met right right, and so um how does one give disappointment um effectively <laughs> because you have to either build up their expectations for something and then they don 't get it but I was thinking about how I would give it, like how would I give you the gift of disappointment Uh with you knowing that that's what you're getting? Um, Right. Like, because you have to somehow meet the expectation of getting disappointment and that's the, Mm -hmm. that's the conundrum, right? Because you're not really disappointed Mm -hmm. if you got what you expected.
0: Right. Unless you've been told I'm
1: giving you disappointment.
0: You have to like sneak something in that I didn't know I wanted and then not give it to me
1: right exactly
0: like
1: yeah that. but it's also i feel like that's cheating because i need to be upfront front about it being like hey i'm giving you this gift of disappointment
0: oh right
1: and so you know your expectation is set to the bar of i'm going to be disappointed so mm. now you're expecting to be disappointed and if you're not disappointed are you disappointed you're not disappointed <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know um Anyway, it sounded more logical in my mind, but I think that it falls apart pretty quickly doesn't. as soon as I you think use it, words uh, around oh. it.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. I just yawned out of nowhere. Um, That's a Yeah. No like, one listens to this uh, show anyway. It but, it's fine. It's fine. We don't care if we have low production value. No. That's our so, brand. Um, That's part of our brand. <laughs> yeah. So, like, disappointment. Part of our brand. Right. Um, I like that he says that his idea for this Um, came from a real life interaction that he had when he was 10 when he like flagged down an ice cream truck and realized he didn't have any money in his they make a a note of this in his ninja turtle swimming trunks Uh and so he, he promises the ice cream truck driver don't go anywhere i'll be right back gets to his front porch ice cream man already starts to drive away kid Pounds Matt as a child pounds on the porch window from inside the house uh-huh. to try and get him to stop. Like, no, don't go, and shatters the glass into a million pieces and like cuts his arm.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: And he realized I mean, it he sucks, said, obviously, it like, t- at the sucks time, terribly. Well, yeah. but it was a big motivator for this guy. Apparently, uh-huh. I realized one thing at that moment. Peterson writes on the Hell General website The ice cream was one ice cream man was one sick motherfucker. Uh-huh. So as City Pages says as happens in so many good villain backstories Peterson became the very thing that haunted and maimed him as a child an evil ice cream man who did not provide ice cream he got the truck in 2009 fixed it up reinvested in it blah 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 can't drive it in the rain but he does get to drive around and he's had grown men try to give him money while he sped away from them giving at the same time the peace symbol and the middle finger (laughs) (laughs) Some people think this is the funniest thing they've ever seen. Some people think that he should carry around treats and actually hand them out. <laughs> he says even when people get mad, he tries to remain friendly. This is a quintessential Minnesota thing.
1: This is this is kind of cracking me up that um, I think this is the thing that I struggle with doing this podcast like we were talking about before is where are the people who who want to tell me what I should be doing with it? Like, am I doing good because there are people listening and no one saying this is what you should do? Or have I like, am I really doing something that's not like no one cares about whatsoever? Whereas like, because when people start telling you what you should be doing with your art, you know that people have a, like, it's working.
0: Yeah. Like, it's hard, like,
1: it's hard to take that feedback because you're like, fuck you. Like, you don't get it. But at the same time, you're like, oh, no, this is working because that person gives a shit enough to come over here and tell me how I'm doing it wrong.
0: Right.
1: And so where are those people? And actually now that I think about it, I think that um every single person I've talked to has said that. I've just gotten so are, used to discounting what other people have to think about. They're
0: all shit. lost they're all lost in the tiny bowels of the Pantone website. Oh, right. <laughs> I'd love to tell you what to do with your life, but I can't figure out where I am or how I got here. Exactly. <laughs> um so this guy the reason that I have decided um to make this man my new best friend yeah this this Matt Peterson of the metal metal ice cream truck is that Matt Peterson and this is where I recognize him from started a Facebook page called I hate the pedal pub Uh-huh and he also had a rock and roll nativity scene in 2012 in his yard that had Santa Claus hanging from a noose and everybody was up in arms about that Um so the I hate the pedal pub Facebook page. So pedal pubs are those like um they're um, kinetic sculptures where like 10 people sit around and you all pedal together and it moves the thing forward very slowly.
1: Yes. Yeah. We have those in San Diego.
0: OK. Unfortunately. So like in St. Paul, this is people in St. Paul seem to love them. People in Minneapolis who are not people on the pedal pubs themselves hate these things. I hate them. I've been the subject of street harassment from drunk people while I'm trying to walk home from the fucking bus stop after a day of work. Uh And I got stuck next to them in rush hour traffic. So I had to walk for like three or so blocks next to this pedal pub cruising, you know, like crawling along. They obstruct traffic. There are, there are lots and lots of bridges in Minneapolis going across the river from downtown to where everybody lives on the other side of the river. Right. And if you get stuck behind one of these fucking things during rush hour traffic on a bridge, it just slow it stops traffic in all directions. Oh, They're God. so annoying. Everyone gets belligerent drunk and the problem in Minnesota with these fucking things, at least in Minneapolis, is that we already have a massive drinking problem in Minnesota. And by that I mean there is a bar on every corner yeah. like at every intersection in a, in a residential neighborhood throughout Minneapolis, you're probably going to find a bar at least in the working class neighborhoods. You might even find two of them immediately across the street from each other or kitty corner from each other. Uh-huh. There's, there's one intersection in Northeast Minneapolis. I can think of that has three bars. Um, so like these pedal pubs go around and the whole idea is that you pub crawl from one pub to the next. So you can drink on the thing uh-huh. and then you drink when you get to the place. But all of these bars hate them because all like, you know, 10 or 15 people drunk show up from this thing. They're already probably too drunk to serve them at a public establishment, like a bar but right. people order. And then they order like one shot and you have to ring up like 10 different tabs for 10 different people taking one shot and nobody tips and then everybody gets so fucking wasted and there's so many people and they're just that a fucking finding, liability yeah they're a liability finding bathrooms is impossible and people yeah. shit and puke and piss on neighborhood lawns all throughout minneapolis because if you're within walking distance of a bar that has a bathroom that only has two bathrooms and there's 10 people on your pedal pub you're just gonna piss on the street
1: and yeah. that's what everybody
0: does. It's- and so it's like it pisses off the bars because it doesn't bring in good money. It pisses off the neighbors because everyone on the pedal pubs being unneighborly. like they just suck. And there's hot, like a hard divide between people like myself and this lovely human being Matt Peterson with his fucking disappointment truck. Uh-huh. Like we hate them. We want to see them go away forever. I don't give a shit who's having fun on them. <laughs> i'm gonna be a total fun hater about this one thing i hate the pedal pubs and that's so awesome. because of the pedal pub thing that's buried in the story about the yeah. ice cream truck i realized i really need to know this guy we need to be friends i bet nicole and alika know him that's awesome they live right by him apparently so yeah this is great i just love this i i
1: see this i is want a, to give so,
0: him like i want to give him like a poofer so he can have fire on it too
1: oh right yes that would be amazing um yeah and this is the kind of thing, like, we're going to give him some free promotion for his business, which is um, not a business. And, right. Um, yeah. His, his Hell General, uh, if you see it in the street and you happen to be in Minneapolis, uh, think of us and think of him and know that this is a pretty awesome thing to be experiencing. So, yeah. Hell um, General.
0: Hell General. That's I'm, pretty awesome. I'm going to look at the Hell General website really quick. Oh, there is a website as well. Yeah, he does have a Hell General website. Uh, he, it was like hyperlinked here. Hell General website. So it's hellgeneral.com. That's pretty great. Great. Hell General is the name I have given the production of my current project vehicle. The vehicle is a 73 AM General FJA8, uh, a postal truck, an ice cream truck. The name Hell General is derived from two meanings hell being the location of the original evil ice cream truck, and general after the manufacturer of the truck AM General. In all actuality, my intentions with the truck have nothing to do with selling ice cream rather than indulge brats with overpriced ice cream pops. I mean to deny those looking to buy a cold tasty treat by playing my happy chimes. And when the children materialize, I will coast right past them with the sinister look of rejection. <laughs> it's just like
1: it's great. It's great. So
0: brutal and awesome. All of the oh, my God. the He has a picture of the ice cream menu. And you can click on the individual ice cream things and they're all logos. They, they're basically like metal band logos on a stick is what they look
1: like. yeah it's they're oh, great. Man, this is great yeah go check out hellgeneral.com it's really really fun
0: um that's really wonderful apparently he goes to some of the like pop-up art car things and stuff oh, i cool. used to know a lot of art car people and i'm just sort of alienated from that entire group at the moment yeah that's fine which is fine like it's not a bad thing i'm yeah. just saying like i know those people which is maybe another reason why i'm not gonna go D- try and track him down at an art car parade
1: dodge pull bullet on that one right um <laughs>
0: So yeah, that's uh serving up disappointment. Yeah,
1: that's so great. Um Excellent. man, anyway. Matt Peterson,
0: uh, you're my cultural hero. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and his so license that. plate
1: is Hellgen. That's great.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so cute too. It's like a little Minnesota plate. Yep. Aw. Good job. That's uh adorable. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. This is funny, too, because the photograph that they feature in this article um, is a photograph of the truck parked apparently down by the river by one of the parks uh, in one of the parks. And I can see in the background two other art cars, one of which I'm positive I know the, the artist. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny. I'm going to have to avoid this guy at art car parades. I'm just going to have to make friends with him in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's um, fine. it will be fine. Wow. I wonder how his art car goes over with the rest of the art car crowd. They were very particular. Like, they did not really have a sense of humor about their work. Uh,
1: yeah. Which is
0: ridiculous because it's like, it's absurdist. You're making an art car. Like, you're making... Yeah. And, and like, nobody had mutant, Nobody in Minnesota has mutant vehicles. They all have art cars. Oh, really? Yeah, it's real weird. Uh huh. Like, people are willing to go only just so far for their art in Minnesota. Right. I'll slap some paint on the outside, but I- I'm not taking a sawzall to the windshield. Right. <laughs> That's just absurd. <laughs> I turned my car into the Minneapolis skyline in three dimensions, but <laughs> I'm not cutting it apart. That's absurd. Uh huh. Right. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Oh, ridiculous. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I find really hilarious about a lot of things is that there always seems to be, um, on hand, plenty of people to tell you both how you're doing it wrong and what you should be doing to make it actually better somehow. Um, right. Like, and these are unsolicited advice, right? I mean, it's just like the first thing is like, well, have you considered doing this thing that I think would be cool? Um, you know
0: what you should do. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know what you should do. And, uh, yeah, it's that's kind of that I feel like that's like the number one thing in the art kind of world of make anytime you're creating anything is there's always somebody standing by ready to give some some in their mind very helpful comments. Um
0: Right, there's some and what's key there is to know that the person giving you these unsolicited and super directed comments about yeah. what you should do has never in their life even a- attempted anything like what you've already done
1: yeah and i mean obviously there's a, there's plenty of gray area for this i mean when you're in casual conversation and you're talking about it you're obviously you know please by all means barf up your ideas about the thing that we're talking about um, right it's it's a far cry to then like stomp across the parking lot, come over to my car and tell me why I needed to have painted it a different color or why I needed to do more of the art that I'm doing. Um, right. But, you know, whatever. It seems to be human it nature. Was,
0: it was really funny, too, when we made our mutant vehicle, because obviously we made it for a specific purpose that has nothing to do with driving it around in Minnesota. Sure. And um, we we could not insure it. So it was uninsurable. Right. And we assumed that the reason for that was um, related to the fact that we had completely chopped the car apart and reassembled it. Um, and it had no windshield even. Um, and it was a fantastic beast. And the when we talked to the insurance company about trying to insure it, they were like, well, um, there's like a couple of things that it needs that it just doesn't have anymore. Like I think seatbelts oh, yeah. for... Like the driver had a seatbelt, but the rest of the seats did not anymore and, because they weren't even seats anymore. Right. Um, and I think it was like the seatbelt thing that was really the uninsurable, the only uninsurable thing about it when it came down mm-hmm. to it. But anyway, that car was super fun and we built it to withstand all kinds of stress. Yeah. Um, so when we would take it to the art car parades, we would have to drive sort of midway through the procession of cars and bury ourselves because we didn't want to be. We didn't want to be singled out at the front or the end of the lit of the oh, line. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, I was never one the drove. I was never the one who drove it because it was a clutch car. And while I can drive clutch, I didn't want to drive it with like <clears throat> between ten and fifteen people just like clinging to it, right? And and like stall it out and send everybody pitching forward at uh, high speed, right? And so I never drove it, which is why I'm willing to admit that we for sure took it out when it was uninsured. Right. <laughs> and drove it a lot, Um, but always in conjunction with like an art thing. So there was something going on. We never just drove it around because we would have absolutely gotten pulled over uh-huh. and sent to jail and it would have been impounded. And then we would never would have gotten it out because you can't get a car out of impound that's uninsured. So um, <laughs> anyway, that car was really fun. And I remember the thing that people were most confused about the car, which had a, a pool ladder going up the side of it and a platform that fit like 13 people and a bent like a sofa seat on the side. Like, so you didn't sit facing forward in the car on the passenger side. You fat, you sat facing perpendicular to the direction you were heading. Oh, huh. um, and, like, it was handicap accessible, which was really cool. We were the first people to do that at the thing in the desert. Yeah. And it had, like, racks for bikes on it. So if people caught up with us somewhere, they could toss their bike on. They could hang their bike onto the scaffolding on the car and then just sit in the car with us. Mm-hmm. They were tired. And it was super fun. And it was, like, there's this, like, jungle gym of a car. And it had this insane stereo system. And it was covered. It was skinned in stoplights led stoplight arrays from intersection stoplights it was super bright and super loud and really fun and people would always ask us like when we brought it out somewhere like but why did you like Did you guys win the contest you were in or whatever? And we're like, we didn't do this for a contest. And they were like, well, why did you do it then? Like, people couldn't believe that we weren't trying to make money off of it somehow or weren't trying to win something with this car. Like, they it didn't compute when they were like, well, what did you build it for? And we're like, just for doing stuff like this. Like, we built it because. Because. Because we had a car, and so we tore it apart, and we built it into a different type of car. And people were like, "But like,
1: but why though?
0: Like, where do, is it? Like, in commercial? Like, did you like? Is it like? Do you have sponsor? No, it's just a fucking thing we did in our backyard. Actually, we didn't even do it in the backyard. We did it in a single star stall garage over a winter, a, a summer, a fall, and a winter. That's awesome. And we got the car started one time, and we weren't worried about fumes or anything because it was such an enclosed space we would have normally had to worry about suffocating or asphyxiating and getting carbon monoxide poisoning, but it didn't run. And so we spent a long time. We redid all of the wiring on the car. Uh We wired all of the stoplights into switches. I mean, like it was just super cool. And the day it started up, uh, Andy took a photograph of the look on my face when the engine actually turned over the first time. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I was like, my head was thrown back, like open mouth laughing with like a beer Uh in my hand or something. Like, we did it. It was a great car. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: What kind of car was it you said?
0: So it was a Honda Accord. Yeah, that's right. And from immediately behind the driver's seat and from the top frame of the windshield, we ripped out the windshield, we ripped off the doors. We pulled the trunk apart and we sawed the top half of the car off. Ridiculous. And then we rewelded it with a friend of ours who builds, um, like stock cars and like super fancy race cars that have to be all crazy reinforced and shit in, t- in case they like roll at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so he rebuilt the car for us structurally. And then, like I said, we, we built this platform that was about, you know, like if you stood on the platform, your feet were where the roof of the car used to be
1: right right
0: and we pulled the bench seat out of the back and ripped out the trunk and spun the back seat sideways and reinstalled it going the long way down the car on the passenger side so it was like a bench seat gotcha um and then the the stereo was in the trunk massive stereo with these huge subwoofers that's fun yeah it was it was a very fun car we had a lot of good times with that car but it was a huge pain in the ass too yeah yeah oh my god
1: Those kinds of endeavors are always a lot of effort. Um,
0: We started it sometimes with a screwdriver.
1: Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah, because you didn't have the keys or?
0: Because, like, something about... The car was old. It was from, like, the early, early 90s or late 80s. Uh Uh-huh. It had, like, God, like, 300,000 miles on it, too. Um, And for whatever reason, like, the whole... The column where the ignition and the key and the starter and everything was was basically just like it had been started and fucked with so many times that you know, like when gears grind down and they slip against each other, it's because they don't yeah. maintain their rigid shape and like they don't have a lot of friction and things like that. I think it was just everything had rubbed against everything else on that car so much that you could start it.
1: Gotcha. You, you could just you it could didn't. start
0: it without a key, and using a key would not guarantee that it would start, right? Right. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, we we had to like. We had to basically hotwire our own car in a famous Dave's parking lot one time because we had to be somewhere and the whole group of art cars was leaving and we were like, we can't get it started, but we did. We never had to leave it anywhere.
1: That's great. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of disappointment, um, yeah. here we are. Our, I, like, There's a lot to be disappointed about in 2020. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um
0: I mean, I, I've had, I've eaten some very good bread that we've made and I've read lots of books, but, um, those are all things I would have done anyway. So yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in some ways, like my life hasn't really changed that much. Um, you know, I worry more about work and all of those things, but, um, that would have probably happened anyway.
0: I feel uh, I feel a little bit optimistic about the work thing because I feel like maybe because of all of the things that have changed and all of the shit that fell apart because of the way we were doing it before that maybe we won't have to do it that way. And maybe that'll alleviate for people like me and you some of the like trauma associated with being fucking told what to do on a schedule.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Um, That'd be certainly nice. Uh, yeah,
0: we can hope. You know, and if all that falls through, we're building a farm anyway. So
1: yeah, and we've got other. I mean, you know, at some point people will be buying a book. And
0: what do you think the most disappointing thing about the first half of twenty twenty has been?
1: Um. Oh, I absolutely the number one thing on my mind is I am extremely disappointed with the the U.S. government response to COVID nineteen, and the mm, reason I want to yeah. say the whole government is because, uh. Yes, Trump is an idiot and, you know, has no idea what he's talking about and it like it all shows 10 times worse in a pandemic situation like this. Um, you know, did he also undermine like the the fail-safes we had in place to help us through things like this? Yes, of course. But um we have we have a massive government and it shows that they're that it's not very functional. Um right. The fact that uh you know, and this is a little bit naive on my part. I'm not, I am not a specialist when it comes to understanding the U S government and political systems. But, um, I think that it's a little bit telling that you have a New York governor who is making massive popularity, you know, speeches, popular speeches, and people are really excited about him and his sort of very candid nature. And I do agree with that. Um, I think he's been doing a, Bang up job, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's part of the problem with government is it's not very transparent. We only get the what only. He says. But the
0: only solid criticism I've heard of New York at this point is their handling of the homeless population and people who don't have anywhere to go, and how this has been a really convenient way to make a bunch of people disappear who were problematic because they were always in the way and you don't want to help them.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't, I I don't really mean to get this into become kind of a criticism thing. I think my main point is just the disappointing thing was just the, the overall fact that um, you have a New York governor who's making more sense than the, um, ah, yes, than the national political level and the fact that his responses are um, being effective, but then being undermined at a national level And then you have other governors and other states trying to get on board with being, you know, protecting their citizens and being, again, undermined at a national level. And then also the fact that everything is so fucking political, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, Right. And there's not this like unification of like, hey, okay, people are dying now. Let's stop fucking around and arguing about where we should put a park or how we should spend some discretionary funds. It's now clear that all we need to do is solve this problem instead mm-hmm. you have endless debates about i mean i think there should be some debates about what the best course of action is but the debate seems to be between what is a anywhere in the ballpark of a humane response mm-hmm. and making money
0: right it's very polarized it's
1: not it's not like i think it's better if we follow this path to save people's lives versus follow this path to save people's lives it's right Let's not save people's lives. Let's make money. That's more important.
0: That's a super crucial distinction. That's really important that you pointed that out. And it's super
1: upsetting to me because there's one side of the aisle that's just like, I'm entitled to make money. What the fuck? I should just be making money. Fuck those people. And the other side of the aisle is like, how are we going to save all these people? And it's not (laughs) like... And no one seems to want to acknowledge that. It's like, no, I mean, I, but I don't want to give up my freedoms and I don't want this. And, you know, this is, and yes, all of that, but none of that matters. People are dying. I mean, we're at 100,000 people dying in the U.S. now. Mm-hmm. We're close to it.
0: Uh, the number when I checked this morning was 97,293
1: dead. Well, by the, the time you're listening to this, um, it's yeah. probably over 100,000. Um, yeah,
0: because today at the time of recording, it's Friday, May 22nd. Um, and I, I, you know, frankly, I think when I check the numbers at bedtime tonight, that'll probably be in six figures.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so because
0: typically the trend, as I've been counting, has been several thousand per day. anywhere anywhere, like some days it's been six thousand, some days it's been yeah. three thousand, some days it's been. But there's always it's ever increasing. It has yep. not not slowed down. Um. Yeah, I just, uh, what I find really disappointing is the willingness of everybody collectively to stand by while we all watch somebody spread misinformation, active misinformation, actively spreading misinformation, misinformation that is, like, not helpful in the moment. It's not true in the long run. It's, like, when you're advocating for people to do things for which there is no scientific evidence uh of benefit or when you and and or when you're advocating for people to do things that are knowingly not going to help or potentially carry their own risks demonstrably
1: unsafe and dangerous for everyone uh, involved
0: for everyone involved then what you're doing is you're being criminally negligent that's what you're doing yeah it's criminal negligence and i think there's a lot of people like as i've been um participating in like correspondence and educational things um, in the field of bioethics. There's been a lot of conversation around this and some people are very cagey about it because they're just trying not to say anything that's going to politicize the situation. And then there's other people um, like a couple of doctors in New York who I've had the privilege of listening to give their opinions and their position on the matter from, from a place where they're actually providing frontline care yeah and they're fucking furious because there's no excuse for this and this is it's it's criminal what's happening is a criminal act to advise people to do something that's not going to help or to imply that they should do something that's not going to help or to advise or imply that they should do something that's actively going to harm them i mean it's not even a trade-off it's not like chemotherapy like it's going to kill cancer, but it might kill you, too. Like, this is not, it's not going to help at all, and it might kill you.
1: Right. There's not, this isn't, like, weighing the, like, the risk versus the reward. There's zero reward right. to the individuals being told. You're not, you're being outright lied to if you think that taking what that whatever the fuck that drug is, is, is protecting you uh, from COVID. Hydrochloroquine, like, yeah. Yeah, there's no evidence, as far as I can find, that says that it's a preventative And B, that it's it's particularly successful. Because
0: it's a fucking malaria drug. It has nothing to do with anything.
1: Right. It's insane. I think it... it, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, Super harmful. I think also this... The other sort of... The thing that also disappoints me is that it's not more immediately obvious to other people how... um, Like our work, our work environment, our sort of our capitalist society as we live in it now is a weird form of slavery that people don't seem to understand. If you look at the situation where you have these factory workers who are being told to go back to work in an unsafe environment and you're saying, well, they don't have to, you're wrong. They do. I mean, part of the part of my sympathy for people not, you know, wanting the, um, wanting the shelter in place orders to go away is because a lot of people are like, I'm being forced out of my home. I can't afford food anymore. It no longer, it is a matter of survival for me to work,
0: which is because the the only way to take care of myself is to trade my time and from, for money from someone else. Because
1: I'm, I'm beholden to these. I can't choose like, you know, it's not easy to just sit there, especially if you're in a town where the bulk of the town works at the factory. If that fact like if you lose at your your job at the factory, you don't have another job. It's like, oh, I'll just go find a different job. That one didn't work out for me.
0: Right. That's it. That's your one job. That's your one chance. You do this or it's curtains.
1: And I don't think that um I like I think it's really important to recognize like how close that is to slavery in the sense that these people have control over your life they dictate the hours that you the what what you have access to they dictate um your health care they dictate your access to your your own time they dictate access to um wealth and comfort and food and shelter and like basic human needs forget about any joy which they absolutely control
0: joy is only for people who deserve it ned
1: right and that's my yes it's fucked up um (laughs) Anyway, right. I, I think that, um, and the fucked up thing is like a lot of these companies that are, you know, arguing for people to go back to work. It's like, yeah, they don't fucking care if they lose some of the people who die. Those people are replaceable. Those right. people are Everybody cogs in the machine. Everybody's replaceable. Yeah. So they, they're not taking personal risk. Some fucking right. company owner who's like, hey, we need to get people back to work. It's like, fuck you. You mean you want to be allowed to put your slaves back on your plantation? Right. And yep. the government said you can't put slaves on the plantation right now right because it's bad for public health and they're like no it's fine i'm not worried about it i'm not scared yeah because you don't have any personal risk if half your workforce dies you know it's completely replaceable because you've engineered and been part of the engineering of an economy that is one that allows that
0: well and another sad facet of this is that you know under normal circumstances or previous circumstances when there was less than 10 percent unemployment or reportable unemployment uh-huh. um more put a pin in that topic for yeah. a second um the 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 thing was like if you've got more jobs than people to fill them then people can kind of write their own check like you've seen that in the tech industry this is why tech workers i think are so uh paid so much and yeah. there's always open jobs is because that that arena has a lot of money flowing through it at all times and more work than there are people to do it at any given moment yeah um that is not the case in other areas no and so your bargaining power as an individual like the entity that you work for says i want something from you and i'm willing to pay this much to get it and then you as an entity say i'm willing to sell my life off one hour at a time for this much money an hour And if the two of you can agree that how much you're willing to sell yourself for is how much they're willing to pay you for yourself, for your time, your effort, your your lifetime on this planet, then you end up working in some kind of an agreement where you're an employee or a contractor or whatever, right? Right. But when like 40 fucking percent of the workforce is not employed nobody has any bargaining power. Nobody's got any fucking bargaining power because all of those businesses are like, we got to hire and we know you're fucking desperate. So if you don't do it, there's going to be 10 people behind you. And I can't tell you the number of times I've heard this mentality espoused and explicated by people at the top of a food chain in a business who are like, well, you're irreplaceable. And if you put up any kind of a fuss, we'll just kick you out and find somebody else. Sure. Fine great that's a super way to be a human but like i don't know it just pisses me off i that's why i hope like rather than a 40 percent of the working population of the united states becoming desperate they're just like fuck you i'm not coming back until you give me what i want yeah i'm working from home i think i
1: you know oftentimes i hear arguments against this kind of line of reasoning that we're talking about or this sort of description Mm -hmm. of it as like well that who said life has to be fair um, and that's perfectly fine as a personal philosophy if you want to sit there and be like I you know as an individual I'm unlikely to be able to completely rechange the sort of um, uh, economic policies of the U.S. or the country I live in or even the local town I live in um, yeah sure but uh, I think as an idea like I think it's missing the point which is that we do live in a society and Are we not trying to create a better like like we may never live in a utopia that may be unachievable, but it doesn't mean it's not worth trying to move in that direction.
0: Well, here's another thing. Life is unfair when random acts happen, right? Like a random event like, oh, we were out playing golf. Some fucking storm clouds moved in and you got struck by lightning. Well, life isn't fair. You're right. Life isn't fair. That's a perfect example of that. Some totally random thing coming in sideways and like creating a turn of events that's totally unforeseen yes Yes, life is unfair what doesn't have to be the case is people deciding to be unfair from the start
1: yeah and to each other
0: that is not part of what is subsumed under the heading of life is unfair that you're mistaken you're subsuming a person being deliberately shitty to another human being and adding to the net suffering in the world as a result of pursuing their own personal gain, that's yeah. what you're talking about, not fairness.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's, yeah, it's fucked up.
0: Not the same thing. Being deliberately shitty is not just following the natural order of things. Right. Yeah. Don't be a shit. Don't be a shit. Being the shit is not the same thing as being a shit. Right. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. What uh, what was the title of this podcast again?
0: Don't be a shit. Don't be uh, a shit. And where's that guy with the cool ice cream truck so I can give him a poofer? Oh,
1: God. Yes. Ice cream trucks. Disappointment. That's where we are. Disappointment.
0: Disappointment.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I, a little disappointed by COVID because I ordered some um, fancy pots for growing things in and they yeah. haven't shown up yet because there are way more important things to worry about. right?
1: (laughs) I was just, actually that really dovetails into exactly what I was just thinking when we did the, um, the, the joy of melancholy, I Mm -hmm. was just kind of thinking about how, um, we might want to talk about the joy of disappointment. Um, there's a certain kind of like, I feel like there's a certain kind of mental biological process that happens when you, you set some expectations that are then not met and then you're reinforced with the new belief system that this is a disappointment like that this is yeah. the way it always happens or um like it's it's something i've always tried to be mindful of in um as i've get, gotten older and been more more aware of what it means to be in relationships with people whether it's friendly mm-hmm. or romantic or or whatever um of the the kind of not wanting to hold somebody in a box and be like, Oh, you always do this. Um, Yeah. Which is where like building resentment. Right. And, uh, and so that kind of the joy of disappointment is sort of the joy in building resentment, Um, (laughs) which is, it's, I think if you kind of think like sort of laterally or as I'm kind of walking around this idea and thinking laterally around the idea of, um, what it means to have a, a human brain and, and to tend to it and, um and how in relationships, you know, you have like people set expectations um for you. Like they yeah. tell you, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing for your birthday or I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see you. And then they cancel at the last minute. Right. Or, yeah. um, you know, and so you've, they've led you along down the garden path a bit and then left you, left you wanting, um which yeah. we all do to each other for lots of different reasons. And um those are probably the big number one sort of way of building resentment right is that you've you've set you've set the bar impossibly high and now you're no longer meeting it and then that person becomes disappointed because you're constantly telling them one thing and then not being able to follow through with it or whatever it is but i think from the receiving side when that happens to you i think that um in the same way that you can build like our friendship like i uh we have things that make each other laugh and that reinforces. And so it becomes easier and easier to make each other laugh because we can like just point back Mm -hmm. a few ticks and be like, Hey, remember this. And then we're already back there laughing and reliving that, like the joy of that moment. But in the same vein, you can do that with negative feelings like, like melancholy and disappointment. And so I'm just kind of thinking about how, um, if you 're not careful it 's very easy to fall into the trap of just constantly building disappointment and resentment towards somebody or with somebody in a relationship so um, right yeah
0: just adding brick by brick just brick
1: by b- brick and it becomes easier to do it because then you 're constantly uh-huh. it 's front of mind you 're like remember when you let me down last time and now you 're doing that again
0: right you have you 're building a case you have mounting evidence yes. to suggest and and no evidence to the contrary of course we 're not going to keep it conflicting evidence around it weakens no. our case to ourselves.
1: Right, exactly. Now I'm going to win this case. I'm I'm convinced <laughs> now that you are the most disappointing human being I've ever met.
0: <laughs> I can think of who that is right off the top of my head for me. Yes. Oh yeah, one person's face comes into very clear picture in my in my like mental imagery. Yeah, I think about
1: um I I like have a lot of sympathy for um people who end up being that person. Um, yeah to a certain extent because like I mean it depends there's a certain kind of person who uh, is is constantly so one of the reasons I have a lot of sympathy is because of um, my ADHD the way I am it's yeah I'm I'm terrible at estimating my own ability and my like I like self-reference is very difficult for people with ADHD because the Mm. your access to that prefrontal cortex and the executive functions is really diminished a lot of the time. Yes. Um, and so I have a lot of sympathy for someone who's constantly failing to meet, like to live up to a certain standard that they're trying to set for themselves and other people. Like oftentimes, um, other people can be a great tool in setting accountability. Right. But as someone with ADHD, it's like, I'm really familiar with what it is to let people down, like very consistently. Um,
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Because that's I, something that I, I, and until recently, I thought, well, one of these days I'm going to be a different person and I'm going to be better. And, and then when I started taking medication, I realized, nope, that's not something I'm ever going to have access to because I need a certain tool that I don't have. It's kind of like I, I, I always think about it. It's kind of like I don't have like, like I'm wheelchair bound, right? but I've always believed that one of these days I'm going to get strong enough to leave the wheelchair and then one day. And so it's like one of these days I'm going to climb those steps with my own two legs. Yes. But then one day I took some medication and basically got the, like the robotic legs for an afternoon. And I was like, Oh, Nope. I'm never going to be able to do this without those. And even with those, they're not. And so coming to grips with that and realizing it's like, that's fine. I can do plenty in a wheelchair and there's tons of shit I can do. Um, This is a weird analogy, but it's something I think it hopefully it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, What I'm trying to get at is that um, I'm I'm trying to get to a place where it's like, okay, I need to moderate my relationships where I'm no longer promising things that I'm never like. I'm like convincing people, look, I'm just going to run up those steps and meet you at the top any minute now. Right. And after about 15 times, people become disappointed. They're like, you're never coming up these steps. Stop saying that. And the problem is, it's like, but I want to. And so I keep saying it for myself, whether you're around or not. But anyway, I digress. The point being is that...
0: I I think I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, my point being is that um, I have some sympathy for people who find themselves constantly disappointing other people, um, it doesn't, it's not an excuse for them. And it's certainly, you yeah. know, context is, is really important here. It depends on what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> you know, showing yeah. up, showing up 15, 20 minutes late every time is one, one issue, um, being an asshole and causing physical harm to somebody on a regular basis is entirely different situation. So, um, you know, and those are just two particular extremes. I'm not trying to single any particular thing out there but anyway uh,
0: i think uh um i mean i I have my own person
1: i immediately think of (laughs) when it comes to like a lifetime of disappointment
0: Uh, i have i can think of like a number of things that i find disappointing like if i'm thinking about like the long timeline of my life what disappoints you as a kid is very different from what disappoints you as an adult yes right (laughs) i mean there's a lot of crossover maybe in some cases but right um God, I'm like super flummy. Hang on a second.
1: <laughs> I think there's allergies going around right now, like in the south southwest areas.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Um. So the, like, when I think of you know the ice cream as a little kid, like the how we all got started on this entire topic, like yes, the the promise of ice cream and then the disappointment when you realize you've been tricked. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> I think of like. <clears throat> Like um, finding out that my older brother was not buried in our backyard. Oh
1: God, I love that. That he's actually
0: in like a real person cemetery Uh and not like my secret imaginary play friend in my backyard who's buried there. Uh huh. Um, that's a weird disappointment. Yeah. I got I got a lot of those ones that defy categorization.
1: Sure. Um. Yeah.
0: What else? Um, I was really excited when I got to wear glasses. Uh um because i thought they looked cool and then but i what i was really disappointing was like well now i have to wear glasses because the whole reason you get glasses is because you can't fucking see (laughs) right (laughs) so being blind is kind of a disappointment (laughs) also being like more blind in one eye significantly than the other really sucks because it makes you have no depth perception and so then even though glasses look cool it turns out that wearing them makes you fall down a lot and contact lenses are better. So you're not going to wear glasses and you have no eyesight. (laughs) (laughs) There's another one for you.
1: I was just thinking about (laughs) um, that kind of the contrast between disappointment and relief where, where it's sort of like, um, you know, if I talked up how, you know, tomorrow you're going to um, run out of gas and get stuck on the highway and then you go to take the trip and you don't run out of gas and you don't get stuck on the highway, are you disappointed or are you relieved? And it's just a matter of degrees. Um <laughs> yeah. but the overall mechanism is the same of having some expectation that's not met. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Who what this, is
1: the quote about um the sorry, I totally no, no. talked to you. What's the quote over uh uh talking about like the the difference between love and hate or um between liking something and hating something
0: yeah the things we it's it's a it's a quote from a book called taxi driver wisdom that's like kind of a fluff vaguely philosophical like a bathroom reader it's a bathroom reader exactly that's exactly what it is this lady went and she like rode around in taxi cabs in new york city and asked the taxi cab drivers questions open-ended questions um that are kind of sort of philosophical and just recorded their answers and put the best ones into a book. And yeah. um every one of them starts off with a title for the header of that page. Yeah. And then there's a short quote underneath it. So obviously like she didn't get into the back of a taxi cab and say, um, on the topic of a great love of your life, what have you got to say? Like it, it's clear that there was some editorial yeah that happened right and then <clears> she's editorializing
1: like, to add the right to, I gotcha. to
0: categorize the response and so right. it kind of almost reads like jeopardy like there's the, the jeopardy answer is like the two is like the long thing that the whatever anyway yeah, you know how jeopardy works you. yes so the, the one that you're thinking of was something along the lines of this um on the topic of uh favoritism or something like that uh <clears throat> the quote from the taxi cab driver was the things we love and the things we hate are just as stupid as each other and easily interchangeable
1: yeah it's so good um and i was just thinking about that in the context of of disappointment versus relief
0: yes 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 <laughs> that's so true like um Man, uh, there have been a couple of times where like I, I've been really disappointed that it was going to snow and then it snowed enough that I didn't have to do anything the next day. And I was like, oh, I thought I was disappointed, but it turns out I'm relieved. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that's happened to me several times where you're like, this is going to be terrible. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. But those, I think, are far fewer than the times where you're like, this is going to be great. And then you're like, this is the worst thing uh-huh. I can't believe you. I agree to do this.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um,
0: May all of your disappointments turn into r- relief. Relief. Yeah.
1: That's a that's kind of a good like like parting a, blessing or kind
0: it, of. It is like a toast.
1: Yeah, like a toast.
0: I have this really cool book. Um, I wish I had it right in front of me. It's in the other room maybe <clears throat> it's tr- it's it's hilarious to me because i went to for when i completed my undergraduate degree in philosophy i went to an all-women's catholic university <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is so bizarre sure um but it, because it very was very exclusive a, right because it, it well i mean i don't think it's like ivy league or anything no like that, but, but i it, mean
1: it's it's by its very nature it's exclusive because it's i can't exclusive. go there
0: the the we are we are the venn diagram of people who are willing to go to an all women's college, people who don't mind being Catholic or around Catholics. Yeah. And then like, and our women and, and and our women. Yeah. So the, um, the theology class that I took, uh, we read a really cool book. That's like a book of blessings by a priest who's Celtic. So what is that? Irish, right? Yeah. I think Celtic is Irish. Yeah. Um, he's really cool. It's not like the book itself is not particularly, I feel religious. Like it's not like and because of God and back to God and in between God and of God. Uh huh. Here is a thing. It's just like they almost sound like toasts that you could give maybe at a wedding or i mean some of them they're all for like specific rites of passage in a person's life so there's some for like people who are dying or people who the family of people who have recently died or a a thing for you know people who have children or whatever and they're these kind of like prayers that you can say or whatever and i'm like a total not prayer person not a prayer right not a prayer of prayers that's funny. funny i am not a prayer of prayers um, but I just, I really liked some of the sentiments and the sort of like human condition captured in a lot of them. And so I kept the book after it was required reading for this class. Um, and I think like the way that that book reads and the way that the taxi driver wisdom book reads are kind of similar and that they just sort of, the, the whole point is to capture what the human experience is in a few words.
1: Yeah. That i like, i like books like that. Um, I, you speaking of kind of books of, of sort of what do you call these like life philosophies or just sort of I'm not sure. Um, well, anyway, you recommended the uh, is it the Dao Dao De Dao De Ching?
0: The Dao De Jing. I have yeah. it right here. Yeah, it's uh, spelled T A O space T E space C H I N G. Dao De Jing. It was written by a philosopher Laozi um who is Chinese and Uh, philosophy is kind of broken up into weird branches based on chronology. And so um, this guy was real old, like 3,000 years ago or something like that. I'm real bad with history and dates, but the doubt aging is a manual for how to live a good life in 80, uh, 81 chapters. Let me make sure I should know this because I read it every day. 80, 81 chapters. I was right and they're not grouped chapter specific so it's not like chapters 1 through 9 are about this or chapters right. 4 through 5 are about this they're all very short
1: if you've got issues with your fishing game start here it's not yeah. like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah we should write a choose your own adventure book
1: okay i'm in that we'll put that on the um we'll put that in the incubator and see what gonna, pops out
0: i'm going to do it i'm going to put it um, in the
1: incubator yeah i just i thought of that book too um it's got it's it's got these lovely little sort of quips or just kind of thoughts and ideas about thinking and being, being it's got a very human philosophy to it, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's, uh, it's been weird. It's been a weird time. Um, We're in a weird time and I hope uh, everybody who's listening is, is doing okay and and taking care of themselves and, you know, moving forward and as best they can. Yeah. Because, man, it's been weird.
0: It's been weird. It's still weird. It's going to get even weirder, too, because the longer we keep going on the track that we're on, doing the same things we've always done, we're going to see the space between or the distance between cataclysmic events shorten. Yeah, they're going to become more frequent and there's going to be several different types of them occurring simultaneously. So it's not just going to be a pandemic. It's going to be a pandemic and uncontrollable wildfires from global warming. Or it's going right. to be um like multiple hurricanes in the same season with forces that exceed any prior records. I mean, it's just going to be. And during that time, all of the people who are trying to evacuate will also have covid. So it's going to be shit that's just impossible to deal with. So it's going to take a, a an insane Change of course um and getting anybody to do anything is hard getting lots of people to do the same thing at the same time is real fucking hard yep and so i don't i i honestly i don't i don't have any idea how any of the next no 10 even years of my life are going to go because i just don't think if any of us live through it eventually by the time we're 80 or something like that things are not going to look like they look now if we're if we even make it that far i just don't know i have no idea that's why, I like the Tao Te Ching says, just stay at the center and let things take their course.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah. I. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. <clears throat> I, I think the idea, like governance is a really bizarre, it's a really, really giant, complicated problem. Um, and I think anybody who who thinks they've got it all figured out is just deluding themselves. Um hmm yeah you know it's
0: like when we talked about wicked problems wicked problems wicked problems well how do
1: you spell wicked
0: w-i-c-k-e-d how do you spell wicked
1: wicked (laughs) w-i-c-k-e-d sorry
0: um um the uh i kind of got sidetracked oh what i was gonna say is the the shitty thing that's gonna happen um is that the problems that we're going to face more and more are going to be wicked problems? They're not going to be problems where it's like, whoo, dodged a bullet by doing that for that thing. Right. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be. Well, in order to solve this problem, we are going to destabilize these three things and probably kill these people. Yeah, and it's it's just going to like everything. The trade offs. It's going to be less and less clear. Where the benefit of a trade off any given trade off is that's my only prediction it's going to get harder and harder to make decisions because every decision is going to have a knock on effect of consequences that are either irreversible or unavoidable and so um like you hear people complaining about right now with going back to work like you can't ha- i don't even want to say the stupid thing because he said it wrong to begin with, but it's like you can't it's it doesn't do anybody any good to poison them with the thing that's supposedly going to help them i.e. the the cure can't be worse than the disease but with wicked problems that's that's all it is
1: yeah it's just it's a lot of balancing like well what's what's slightly better what's slightly better yeah i don't know um
0: we're going to have to be able to think much more clearly about rapid changes over time um and get better at dealing with those it's the pace of things is going to quick quickly speed up and it's going to be really dramatic and it's going to be difficult to keep up with, I think. And so <clears throat> people who want to take a lot of time or do things the way that we've always done them or make a lot of decisions based on past evidence and stuff are going to have a really hard time.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of us are going to suffer for it because we're not in a position of like individual power over that. So
0: Yeah. It's really going to suck. Yeah. Um, so like just be nice to people. Like fucking support people around you and consider tips, mutual tips aid. Tips for living well in hell. Yeah. Let's tips just... for living well in hell. Mutual aid. Yeah. Consider mutual aid. Um, mutual aid is where you have a thing that helps somebody out in the immediate and they have a thing that helps you out in the immediate. And so you guys help each other. It doesn't matter if a government organized it. You don't need somebody directing you and telling you what to do. You basically just have to sit still for a 2nd Mm-hmm. Look at what you've got. Look at what's missing. Look at what other people have got who are offering and what they're missing and see where you can fill in the gaps for each other. You can't wait for somebody to show up and mandate this for you.
1: And I think a big part of that is like, you know, try to do what you can to like facilitate good communication. Yeah. Don't throw in if you can help it. I mean, look. I'm terrible at this. Like sometimes I'm pissed and you've, you've got under my skin and that's the way it is. And I'm doing the best I can over here. But if you can, try not to throw more bombs on the fire. Um, right. You know, try to help out with that. Because I think, you know, yeah. you can, I, don't, anyway, I what do I fucking know? I don't know anything. I'm just going to sit here and throw some more stones in my glass house.
0: Um, well, I think like approaching, like we've talked about, approaching things with curiosity rather than it, a prejudgment can is, help. Yeah. This is going to become a survival instinct or a survival tool.
1: Yeah. It's, I hope it's so. going to have yeah. to. You're
0: going to have to, you're going to have to realize for a second that you and everybody else and everybody who's supposed to be in charge doesn't necessarily actually know what they're fucking doing. Right. And so rather than being arrogant and forcing solutions on people, you're just going to have to like maybe sit back a little bit, maybe admit you don't know everything maybe admit somebody else is going to have a better idea and be willing to go with whatever benefits the most number of people like get utilitarian about it because that's the only way uh, this whole idea that we're better off as individuals than we are together is not cool and it doesn't work. It falls apart very quickly in practice. Um, Everything that you have now is because of the work that somebody else did, whether you can see it in front of you or not. And so like you need, you need other people, whoever you are and If you're going to want what's best for yourself, you have to want what's best for everybody Mm -hmm. because you are part of that everybody. You are not separate from it. You are not looking at it from a distance. Like you are part of everything that's going on. And so is everybody else. And so you have to get used to that and, and be fucking helpful and not be a shit and consider mutual aid. Like usually mutual aid is the provenance of like people on the left and, um, like anarcho, syndicates and like anarchists and um socialists and generally people who get shit on by people who would rather be making their own money um and i just think like if you practice some of those skills practice the skills that aren't necessarily financially rewarded in our culture because when the shit hits the fan and money doesn't necessarily mean anything or you just can't spend your way out of a problem you're going to have to rely on other skills to do it and getting along with other people is one of those skills. I say this as a total misanthrope. I would rather not ever have to see another human being as long as I live. Sure. But, but I know that like I am one of those human beings. And so I'm really talking about myself here. Yeah. As, as is anybody. So just don't be a dick to people and try and be helpful and being helpful doesn't necessarily have anything to do with money. Right. (laughs) Or, or politics. Right. (laughs) Like, um, I don't know. It just, man don't be afraid to say i don't know too
1: yeah i mean i think that's been that's been something that's been really difficult um for me like
0: nobody nobody knows how to deal effectively with what we're going through right now so be wary of anyone who tells you you know what you should do to handle this situation
1: yeah yes exactly
0: here's what you should be doing um how do
1: you know and i think i think that's been my like one of the things that i found very frustrating about how the scientific community has been kind of undermined because traditionally they have um traditionally scientific writing and communication is really really strong in being really clear about when you're speculating and when you're creating hypotheses and when you're um floating theories and when and and being really clear about the the, the basically like the strength of your assuredness in a statement and so um yes. and why you have it and so if you're reading so if you read it like traditionally scientific papers often say things like this might suggest that or um, more research is needed in this direction in order to Mm -hmm. validate this or um, you know there's some confidence level in the idea that this might be this way and so when you're in our current culture when you read that or you you have these communications it's so easy to tear it apart you're like oh well you're not sure then you don't know
0: yes right
1: but it's like yes (laughs) i know what no you don't understand what you're talking about this is our best guess yes but it's the best guess it's the best part of it like that's what we're going i'm not there's no guarantees and that guy over there who's guaranteeing shit is lying to you
0: Right. Yes, they that's no the, I, I was going to say that too. Like, they but, don't know. You don't know. You should realize that anyone telling you they do know. Yeah,
1: but the is lying to you. but the thing that upsets me so much is that, th- for whatever reason, just saying that it's guaranteed seems to be enough. Yeah. Well, if they can't assure you, I can. Come buy my shit.
0: <clears throat> you're. Uh, what and you're ignore the mechanism me is, I've like,
1: set up that makes it so that when it doesn't pan out for you, you have no recourse.
0: Right. Forced arbitration.
1: Yeah. Like forced arbitration. It's like, I guarantee that this service will be everything we promised. Just sign here. Right. Oh, but right. if it isn't, you don't get to say anything legally.
0: Right. Right. You have you can't make things right.
1: Yeah. You just Sorry. have to, you were going to say it. Thing.
0: No, that's, <clears throat> I think that's like super important. What you were saying, um, because it, like, you being willing to assume a modicum of humility will reveal things to you about when other people are being dishonest.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Being um, honest with yourself about how much you can possibly know and whether or not you know it will also help you pick out in other people, whether or not it's reasonable for them to say that they know a thing and whether in fact they actually know it.
1: Right. Yep.
0: And you won't get, um, you know, ripped off or drink bleach. <laughs>
1: God please don 't drink bleach, please do not drink bleach. don't
0: drink bleach um, under under no circumstances
1: yeah there's really no i like there's better ways to suicide if that 's what you 're at not that i 'm advocating that at all please by all means don't be doing that either there are there is ways to get help with that, but um what I am saying is that there's just really no reason um there's no there's no situation where drinking bleach does any anything good for you um, including end your life if that's your goal uh it's it's a miserable way to die, and it's a miserable way to be poisoned, and it's just a really, really, really difficult, <clears throat> horrible thing to recover from. Um, oh,
0: so is heroin, by the way.
1: <laughs> yes, although I would probably advocate heroin over drinking bleach, I think. I don't hmm. know. I don't have personal experience with either, but the little that I do know hmm. about both of those situations... Um,
0: this is like an interesting version of the "Would you rather" game. Would
1: you rather? Yes, exactly.
0: What, would you rather advocate?
1: Given, yes. <laughs> God.
0: Given, given the, the choice between uh, <clears throat> heroin addiction or drinking uh-huh. bleach, which you, which, which would you rather advocate? Which would you rather
1: advocate? Yeah. Um, we'll do a whole neither. This is me. an absurd question.
0: That, I, I, I won't against... even dignify. I won't, I won't even respect. dignify with a response. <laughs> Um, anyway yeah okay well this is good episode
1: yeah this is a great episode um yeah started out with ice cream trucks and heavy metal music and ended on a sort of covid19 slash political governance (laughs) thought rant Um, i mean obviously we're experts and we know exactly what we're talking about and everyone should be doing exactly what we're suggesting in this moment so fuck you guys we're going home
0: you listener you know what you should do is
1: exactly you know what you should do oh god um (laughs) all right
0: i don't know if i've mentioned i'm sure i've mentioned it on this podcast before but that's like when people say that to me Uh uh-huh it just i just shut down (laughs) like Uh i hate i hate hearing that phrase so much you know what you should do is i've heard it so much and it's you it's so rarely helpful or accurate yeah Or informed, right? So that's an inside joke now. Uh You you should. You know what
1: you should do? Yeah, that and um, and another thing,
0: and another thing, which is also sort of like a root, a root um, condition of this podcast. Uh huh. (laughs) And another thing. Oh God! Uh,
1: okay well hopefully while you're li- when you listen to this it's still relatively relevant um i mean i suppose we'll be further along through the pandemic at that point and um maybe this will hold the test of time or you guys will be like wow were they wrong i don't know that we were being particularly <laughs> predictive but um yeah <laughs> anyway
0: <laughs> yeah you can you can come dance on my grave after you help the neighbors bury me with that whole mutual aid thing going on
1: oh yeah
0: When Uh, I'm wrong, you can laugh at me all you want. Yeah. But wash your hands before then.
1: But please wash your
0: hands. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. Bye.